The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. It's kept by the quarterback, Rudolph. No sign yet. Touchdown. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. Jake Rudolph with his fourth rushing touchdown of the year. A 15-play drive that spans 7 minutes and 38 seconds and went 73 yards. 27-7. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. They give it to the quarterback, Rudolph, able to punch it in for the touchdown. And all Paul Rhodes can do is look on in disgust. 20-point lead for Iowa. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporter's notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' home non-conference game against the Western Michigan Broncos. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Western Michigan's P.J. Fleck. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week with Steve Batterson. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of Fox Sports 1 with announcers with announcers Justin Kutcher and James Bates. An okay job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyesmike.com It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz addresses the issue of balance in his offense, which is very run-heavy at the moment. I just think historically, and I know there are exceptions to this, you know, BYU comes to mind. I'm going back, you know, 80s. They had some great teams. But historically, you know, if you can't run the ball pretty much at any level, at some point it's going to catch up to you. And I know that's changed a little bit. But uh, And then conversely, too, I think if you can't pass it effectively, you're going to be in trouble, too, unless, unless you're an option team. So, you know, some axioms I think are true. It, it helps if you can run. And if you can't stop the run, it's going to be a tough, tough game and a tough season. It's just it's really hard to, to play football if you can't do both those things, run it and stop the run. And I, I think over the long haul, that that's really pretty to be true so that's kind of a starting point but there there are oh four being a great example you know we couldn't we couldn't move the ball 10 yards you know in the course of a game so it's you know when that happens you just got to find other ways or or you know if you just want to go wholesale you know flip it every play so there are people that do that Ferentz talks about the varying tempos in his new no-huddle offense. I think the, the staff sold me on that last year during the wintertime, you know, the, the, the value of it. And like I said, I've said before, I've, you know, I questioned it after about four days of spring ball. You know, it was hard to watch. But uh, I think the upside, and again, the, the benefit there is it's been good for our defense because they see so much of it. So to practice against it, I think that's helpful. And the other thing I liked about the fact that, uh, you know, if, if we could do it with some fair level of execution, at least uh, we'd have an option of playing the way we want to play 
play during the course of a game, it's tough to decide you want to go fast if you haven't been working on it. So, you know, you can always slow things down. So I, th- I think there's some real positives there. Kirk gives his view of football in the Mid-American Conference. You know, believe it or not, they play really good football. I've been saying that for uh, for a while. And, uh, there are a lot of really good players in the MAC. And I, I'll go back to when I got here. You know, if you compare the quarterbacks, like from 99 to 205, somewhere in that ballpark, you compared their quarterback stars, I think you'd find out they probably had better pro guys than we did. At least that was my observation without doing a study on it. But, uh, you know, they've had some really good players. Super Bowl a couple of years ago when Green Bay played Pittsburgh, I think it was. I can't remember how many MAC players were in that Super Bowl. So they, they play good football. And uh, I still think Northern Illinois a really good football team you know and we said that uh, a year ago and still say it so it's just it's kind of the nature of that conference you know they've, they've had a lot of good guys I think that you know that when they, these guys beat us in 2000 I think that that good rush defensive end linebacker guy I think he's still playing so you know, there's, a, there's a lot of good football players out there and Ference talks about Jake Rudock whether his runs are planned and his effectiveness in three games so far it's just how it works and uh, I like the fact that he'll pull the ball down and run with it you know and, and make yards and uh, seems to be a where of where he's at. Got to protect the ball a little bit better, and he'll learn that. One, one thing about him, he's not timid out there. He makes good decisions, I think, for the most part, and he's just trying to help us win. You know, he just, he, he's not exactly like Mark Weissman, but there's some parallels there in terms of the way he does things. He's, he's pretty quiet uh, and very businesslike, but uh, he does it in a way where everybody, I think, especially in his case, he hasn't played. Whereas Mark, you know, I think earned that respect last year. You know, since he started playing, I think, you know, Jake's very quickly, not that our guys didn't respect him. I don't, I'm not inferring that, but, you know, it's hard to really be a leader of a team or one of the leaders if, if you're not playing. And I think after three games right now, I think our guys, they, they all know what he's about and they really appreciate that. He's, he's showing a lot of toughness out there. Next, we hear from Western Michigan head coach P.J. Fleck. He's a first-year head coach, the youngest in the FBS, and he talks about his team's development through the first three games and its play against Northwestern. Well, I thought our kids responded very well from... Um... Uh, the Nichols game when Nichols came in here and beat us, uh, I thought they responded very well. You know, especially defensively when we shut out Northwestern in the first quarter, and then uh, you know I was really impressed with the how those kids came out and uh, the belief system that they have uh, in one another. Uh, Northwestern was very talented. You know, King Coulter came in, and even though we were in the right spots, we just got out athletes at times uh, with him. He's one of the best college football players in the game, and you know I think that showed when we played. But I, I think the how never changed. The kids continued to fight, never gave up. Uh, continue to score points, continue to move the football, and we were able to get some takeaways too. Just not as many takeaways as we thought we needed to be to be, you know, to, to have a chance in that football game. And uh, they're a resilient group. They're getting better on a daily basis. We're learning from our mistakes. You know, looking looking towards the future in terms of what we can get better at. Fleck talks about the Iowa team and the upcoming game. Our goals continually to be the same, get better on a daily basis, be better than we were yesterday, and we're going to do the same thing in our preparation for Iowa. They're a very talented football team. You watch the Northern Illinois game, who I think Northern Illinois is obviously very talented on offense and was able to move the ball, and you know they weren't able to score 40-some points against this Iowa defense. And uh, at times it looks like you know Northern can score 45 on anybody, 50 on anybody, and I thought Iowa did a nice job. But they're good. They're, they're a good big, big Ten team. They're solid. Uh, they got a good defense. Uh, obviously, a very experienced head football coach. Been there for a very long time. They believe in their system. They believe in their culture. They believe in the football way of life at Iowa. And you can tell everyone does. You know, and I think that we've got our hands full this week. But again, I'm really proud of how 
our kids are playing. We're doing our best to stay healthy and uh, developing the young and inexperienced kids that we have. Coach Fleck was asked, given Iowa's performance against Iowa State and Northwestern's success on the ground, if he expects Iowa to pound the ball against his Broncos. Yes, I, I, I would. You know, I, I wouldn't sit the numbers point, okay, well, now they're going to spread us out and, and throw it, you know, 60 times. I really believe that. Um, you know, Kirk Ferentz and his background as an offensive line coach, he wants to run the football. All of us, Iowa's always been that way, especially under his leadership. You know, they're going to run the football. And I think when you look at us and you self-scout us, and we even self-scout ourselves, you look at it, I think um, they're going to sit there and say, hey, we got to run the football, or we're going to run the football. We need to be ready for that. And Fleck talks about his two offensive stars, quarterback Tyler Van Tubergen and wide receiver Corey Davis. Well, I think Tyler's getting better. You know, I mean, you look at three of the games Tyler's played, and he's played against two top ten defenses. <laughs> so, I mean, when you sit there and look at it, it, you can understand as a coach, okay, things are a little bit more difficult. But again, that's going to prepare him and propel him, I think, as we continue to move forward throughout the season. You know, it's only going to make him better by going against elite defenses. Like I said, I thought he got into a little bit of a rhythm at Northwestern. Um, you know, we didn't have any sack, which was tremendous. You know, we did a better job of moving him, get him outside the pocket, uh, getting him on the run a little bit more. And uh, we, we as coaching staff want to help him that way. And um, the zero stack falls on everybody. Everybody. All 11 people have to protect. And that means wideouts have to get open. That means running backs have to protect. Tight ends, offensive line. We all have to do our job in protection. And we talk about that. And then Corey Davis, like I said, I think he is he, he's going to be a guy in this conference that we talk about for a very long time. Uh, he's a kid out of Wheaton-Warrenville South High School. He's a true freshman. Very similar to a lot of the players that we have right now that are playing. But again, he's, he's very, very uh, skilled. And what he has to do is just continue to develop in his fundamentals and technique. And he's, he's very, very far away from where this kid will develop into. And that's what's really exciting about him. He comes to work, practice every single day, ready to get better. He attacks every single day. And I think that's the how of this program. And, you know, he was one of the first guys we got to bring in here. Um, part of the, you know, the new regime, new era, the first recruiting class that we were able to put together. He's part of it. And that's the type of mentality that we're going to continue to build the Western Michigan Bronco football team behind. But very, he gives a very, very promising terms of even this year, just with his work ethic. He makes everybody else around him better. He makes everybody else around him step his game up. And he still hasn't even cracked the surface in terms of where he's going to be. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows, this one with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Western Michigan game and more. Scott, closing thoughts on the win in Ames, the 600th victory in the program's history. And last week, you talked about, from your perspective, how important you thought winning that game was. Yeah, I think it was really important for this program to feel good about itself. To win a game that matters, to win a trophy, you know, a symbol of victory against a rival that is beating a couple of times. To win a road game in an environment that's really been hostile towards Iowa. They were able to get all those things done. Uh, to, to establish a level of play that was working for him, and, and that's what Kirk Ferentz wants, which is a running style of play. Obviously, nobody thought that they would run 75% of the time, but but it worked, and it worked. It was effective. Uh, they converted on 
third downs. They made big plays, and then they kept the clock going. They did everything they needed to do except close out the game in, in good fashion. That's something that they've got to work on, and maybe it's a teachable moment for this program going forward that no matter how far ahead you are in the fourth quarter, the other team is always going to come back. So that finish mantra is going to be something that they can apply in the future. So it, in some respects, uh, maybe it's a sadistic way, but it was a healthy dose of reality for Iowa the last five minutes of the game where they surrendered two touchdowns, an onside kick, and, and kind of got the fear of God back into them. Western Michigan comes into Kinnick on Saturday. It's the third game in the series. Your colleague at the Gazette, Michael Loss, noted something interesting this past week. He said that Western Michigan is 6-38 and against the Big Ten, but as we all know, 2-0 and versus Iowa. Uh, they cost Iowa a bowl bid in 2007 with a victory in Kinnick Stadium. P.J. Fleck is the first-year coach coach at Western Michigan. He's the youngest coach in the FBS. They're 0-3, but they played pretty well against both Michigan State and Northwestern. Yeah, this is a team that's not going to be intimidated coming to Iowa for all the reasons you mentioned. I mean, number one is, uh, you know, this is a team that's, uh, that's, that's fought if nothing else, against Michigan State and Northwestern on the road. I mean, they've already played two Big Ten teams, two teams that were bowl teams last year. Iowa was not. You know, they did have a pretty horrendous loss in the middle to the Nickel State, a Division One school that's kind of gotten bounced around by a few teams. But, but that said, they're going to view this as an opportunity for them, for their program to grow, to win a game on the road at a Big Ten venue. There's really no reason for them to be intimidated to come here. They, they've seen what Central Michigan was able to do. And when you have a young, energetic coach that tends to go for broke, that's what you're going to get on Saturday as a team that's uh, that's got nothing to lose. They're going to play loose. They're going to play hard. And that's that's kind of dangerous for an Iowa team. However, Iowa has that bitter taste of defeat. There's no complacency here, so there should not be any complacency in going against a team that on paper, this should be another, I don't know about easy win, but another win by double digits. However, uh, they've got a lot of work to do to get better because, you know, going 3-1 and one in the non-conference is something and I think this team really needs. And after last year's Central Michigan debacle, uh, they're definitely not going to overlook from Western Michigan. What do we know about the Broncos? They're pretty young on both sides of the ball, schematically, defensively, more of a traditional D. Talk a little bit overall about that team. Well, this team's uh, got some issues on both sides of the ball, frankly, and, and, and really where this makes it effective for Iowa is their rush defense. I mean, they rank 113th in the nation. They give up 245 yards a game on the ground. Some of those yards, of course, were again, in different ways. Uh, Michigan State's more like Iowa, a traditional pounded-out type of team, whereas Northwestern's a quick-strike type of team. So that that's something that they are very susceptible at. And then also in, in pass efficiency, on defense, they're, they're not so good. Um, they're ranked 118th nationally. So it's a it's a really interesting dynamic between these two teams. That you know, Western Michigan is a new team. They've got a veteran quarterback, but at the same time, they they're switching everything up. They've got a new attitude, go for broke style of play, and I think they're just you know they're too young to really you'd think do anything against Iowa. However, you know, they, they do have, you know, their, their pass efficiency on defense is, is pretty good. So they can create some issues for somebody like Jake Rudolph. He makes some bad throws. And, and he's done that, you know, just 
in every in just about every game, or at least the first two, you know, he made some plays he'd like to get back. They can certainly stop the pass a little bit more than they can the run. So I look for Iowa to really exploit their run defense, continue to establish that as their mainstay on offense as they like to do, and uh, and really attack them probably the way they did against Iowa State. Bill Cubitt was the previous head coach at Western Michigan. He had a pretty decent record there. He certainly did not leave the cupboard bare for Fleck. If you look offensively, there you mentioned the quarterback. I had to go to the pronunciation guide three or four times, and I'm not convinced I have it right. I think it's Tyler Van Tubergen, but he's a he's a veteran with some decent numbers. But they've got, by all reports, a pretty spectacular true freshman wide receiver in Corey Davis. Yeah, he's already got two touchdowns, and uh, you know he's a he's a guy that they they have to worry about. And, and right now, Iowa's defense has shown a lot of it has had a lot of issues, especially in giving up big plays. They've given up ten plays of twenty plus yards so far this year. Uh, that's, that's, I won't say an abomination, but it's certainly not what you want at this point in the year. All of the plays have come in different ways, and uh, you know whether it's just a, a blown coverage, uh, a good play by the offense, uh, somebody not being technically sound. So somebody like Corey Davis, who, as you mentioned, you know, a pretty so- a solid young freshman, you know, he can get loose on, on somebody like Desmond King, for instance, you know, who's also a, you know, a freshman. It looks like Jordan Lomax isn't going to be able to play again. So that that really uh, adds a little bit of stress for Iowa. However, it's probably something that they need to experience. And uh, going up against a good receiver like him, like like they really did, you know, Missouri State, I don't think anybody gave them enough credit for their wide receivers. I think both of them are that they can't. Um, and they got beat a couple of times there. So I, I think that's something that Iowa really has to look forward to uh, and, and compete against is a, you know, a decent passing game. And it, it's something that they that can help them work when they get the Big Ten play, you know, starting only a week away from now. Now, their quarterback does not appear to be much of a run threat. Is that accurate? Yeah, he's uh He's not much of a run threat, and I mean, you know, it's it's kind of strange, you know. So far, you know, he was kind of a veteran guy everybody looked at, but you know, he's only completed 44% of his passes, and he's also been they've traded in and out with a guy named Zach Terrell, who's kind of in the same boat. He's only got two touchdowns so far, so he's not much of a running threat. Their best running back is a guy named Brian Fields. Uh, he's got three touchdowns, you know, runs for 4.7 yards a carry, a little over 200 yards so far. He's a guy that they're going to have to watch out for, but but not so much the core quarterback, not so much the zone read, uh, which I'm sure they'll welcome this week because this defense is still geared to kind of traditionally like, to stop the run. So if that's it, they're, they're, they know it better now and, and they are, uh, they know how to stop the zone read. It's just a matter of doing it. Iowa fans have clamored for it for years and we've seen it through the first three games, far more blitzing from Iowa's defense than we've, we've seen in the past. Do you expect that to continue this weekend against uh, the Broncos? Yeah, I do. I think they need to get used to it and it's difficult for Iowa this year. I mean, on the last touchdown pass against Iowa State, uh, they, they went through a full blitz and they got burned on it. And that was maybe a play that wasn't necessarily on the secondary as much as it was just the full blitz part of it. They need to get pressure on the quarterback, and they haven't been able to do that yet this year. And, and that's something going forward that's uh, you know very troubling because they're going to be playing against bigger, better players every single week. So, you know, uh, DJ, uh, Darian Cooper got a nice sack the other day from the inside, but, you know, Iowa State's in was so depleted that uh, you know you should say well maybe they should have gotten a little bit more pressure on them and uh, you know they're they're not getting enough pressure from the edge so they're throwing the blitz which is a good thing because you don't want a quarterback to stand there all day but at the same time.
time it leaves you exposed if you don't get there, and, and we saw that. So I think they'll do that with the regularity against Western Michigan to see what works because uh, Lord knows uh, the, go- the Gophers are on the on deck, and you know Iowa wants to keep that flight of Rosedale at all costs. In Ames, we saw the continued development of Iowa's young quarterback, Jake Rudock. Poise was the term most often used following the game. He didn't seem rattled at all by playing on the road at Iowa State. Spread the ball around to seven wide receivers again, even though the emphasis in that game was heavy on the run. A lot of discussion this week. Uh, Kirk talked about it and was asked about it. The offensive balance for Iowa, the heavy reliance on the run so far, and particularly Mark Wiseman. You've already mentioned you suspect that's what we'll see this Saturday, but don't the Hawkeyes also have to start working on more offensive balance as they head into conference play? Well, yes. I, I think here's here's the issue for Iowa is if you want balance, you want it if you if you have an out of balance offense, you want it this way, which is run the ball more effectively. Because uh, Jake Rudock had a really nice game, I thought uh, he was 14 to 23, but passes were drops by his wide receivers, and then a couple of them he threw away, which were really smart plays. So he was very efficient. But Iowa controlled the clock. They ran the ball and they did it in physical fashion, and that's what you would want if you if you're uh, balanced skewed towards the run, you're generally going to win those games. Uh, where you don't want it to be out of balance, especially if you're Iowa under Kirk Ferentz, is have it a you know a 70-30 pass to run ratio. Um, but right now, the, their strength on offense is is uh, run the football and then kind of uh, and then let Rudock kind of manage the game. You know, he's not really the game manager type because he's making plays, but uh, allow him to be successful in certain situations. And I think we saw a lot of that last week. He had. Uh, Guys who let him down early in the game came up big for him later on. Guys like Jacob Hillier, who dropped a pass, Tavon Smith, who dropped a pass. Both of them came up with two of the bigger catches of the season so far. Tavon Smith with a 25-yard crossing route. Jacob Hillier on a third down reception that turned into a touchdown. So right now, I think they like that 60-23 to ratio. I don't think we'll ever see it again. Maybe this week it'll be more 640 type, uh, you know, ratio 50 carries to, to 30 passes, that type of thing. But uh, if you're going to be you're going to be out of balance, too, and you want to be running the football. And through the first three games, the other thing that's very impressive is how they're using exclusively the no huddle, but with substantial variations in pace of play. I wonder what we'll see this Saturday. You know, I, I, I think you're going to see both. I think you're going to see slow it up, slow it down, or speed it up, slow it down, which is really good for this program, because in the first two games, we kind of question the pace. A lot of times they're snapping the ball with 19, 18 seconds left on the clock, which you wonder, okay, this is going to hurt your defense especially in that first really hot game. But then last week, they kind of came back to normalcy a little bit, and that was pound it out, slow it down, milk the clock, do what you got to do. And, and what Kirk Ferentz said on Tuesday, I thought was very profound, and that was, you know, he wants to make sure that uh, if they're going to, that they practiced going at a high speed, and they played at a high speed, so if they need to go no huddle, and if they need to speed up the tempo, it's not going to be un, uh, uncomfortable for them. They can actually do it. And, uh, and so, that they have that experience, they're going to be able to do it. And then, but then if they want to slow it down, which they're going to have to do if they want to get into Big Ten play when there's, you know, a, a game like Iowa State last week, or if you're at Minnesota and you're up four points and four minutes to go, you don't want to snap the ball with 18 seconds left on the clock. So I, I found that very interesting. One of the more uh, interesting points of the first uh, quarter poll of the season. You mentioned it earlier. They need to learn how to complete drives. This would seem to be an ideal game for that and to build some confidence in that respect and not to be coming down to the end of the game with less than a touchdown separating the two teams. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things there. One, last week they were a 
11 to 20 on third down, and they could have had a better ratio had there not been so many drops. They need to make sure that they continue to com- complete those plays, which is if it's third and six and he throws the eight-yard pass, catch the ball. That Playtime's over in that regard. And then and then second, Iowa's fan base, Iowa's team first, but Iowa's fan base need flesh in this game. They need 41-7. to seven. They need this team to go out, blow people out, get new guys in there in the third and fourth quarter to play. They want to feel good about themselves going into Big Ten play, feel like the team's progressing. And, and let's face it, this is a lesser caliber team. This is a team that has, it's, there's really no reason why it should hang around with Iowa. But, you know, I've been fooled enough by these teams and these directional Michigan schools to know that, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And I'm sure Iowa will play its traditional style of football through halftime and then reevaluate to see what happened. And, and that's where, uh, I think that's where things stand right now. Yeah, I think the other thing coming into this game is they need a fast start. This has all the makings, potentially at least, of a trap game. You saw that happen to Michigan against Akron last week. Iowa's coming off the big win at Iowa State. They have a losing streak to MAC teams. They've already lost to one MAC team this year. They need to start hot and keep the pedal to the metal. Absolutely. They You, you want to feel good about yourselves early on. You want your fans to feel good about it. Do not want to get in a situation, even like Missouri State, it was 7 and up in a halftime against a FCS school. That's just huge. And really, you know, the other outside factor is, you know, Iowa's having trouble selling tickets. That's something that hasn't happened for a long, long time. So fans will get feisty. They'll get fed up. They'll, want, they'll lose interest. And uh, you don't want to have that happen. So if you want a pound of flesh, you want 28 to nothing at halftime. You want quick scoring drives, touchdowns, stop them, force turnovers, do all those things. But of course, as we know, it's a lot easier saying that and analyzing that than it is actually doing. Keys to this game, your prediction? I think the key is play efficient, efficiently on offense. Just make sure you, when it's third and five, you throw the ball for it and it's a, it looks like a completion, catch it. Train those scoring opportunities into touchdowns. There's going to be punts. There's going to be bad passes, whatever. But when you have the opportunity to make a play in a key moment in the game, keep making it. I think the other key is get other guys in the game. Make them feel good, too. Make the fans feel good. So I look for Iowa to establish the run, to uh, be able to hold down Western Michigan, maybe absent a big player, too. I think Iowa finally gets this big win that it needs, that the fan base needs, 34-14 on Saturday. Close out this week. Talk a little bit about the controversy west of the border in Lincoln with Bo Pelini, somebody leaking a tape from a couple of years ago. He got, a finally, uh, late in the week, a vote of confidence, more or less, from the administration. Uh, talk a little bit about that whole thing. I don't really like this, you know, and I I deal with, you know, coaches on a regular basis. I, I have, you know, I tape conversations and, and what have you, but I, I think, number one, after games, that that's a very emotional moment for coaches. That's why there's a 10-minute cooling-off period, and for somebody to take advantage of a coach like that, and then to kind of hold tape and the conversation hostage for two years and releasing it at a, at a real, uh, you know, opportune time for him, anyway. I, I, I didn't think it was fair, and I thought it was really unethical. That said, you know, Bo Pelini does have some damage control to do with the fan base. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of, they don't, they don't really like him. They haven't really embraced him a whole lot in the last couple of years since they joined the Big Ten. He's had four losses every single year for Nebraska, and that's below their standards. And probably worst off of all is that he's a kind of a defensive guru, but this defense has just not performed. Uh, you know, in four out of the last five games, have given up in, in the neighborhood of 
30-plus points, 500-plus yards, 600 yards to Wyoming. Uh, they were up by 18 and lost by 20 the other day against UCLA. So this is the type of thing that really kind of can really hurt a, a coach as he's trying to move forward. And, and if, if they don't have a lot of character on that team to come together and pull together, it, it could be the, the death knell to his career at Nebraska because, uh, you know, the Big Ten's not necessarily a juggernaut this year, but there are a lot of teams on his schedule that can beat him. And, uh, if, you know, if they have another four or five lost team coupled with these conversations, it would not surprise me to see Bo Pelini looking for another job at the end of the year. Yeah, my guess, leash is very short. Certainly any more blow-ups could be the end, but just like you said, questionable record this year. That could sit now where this is pure speculation and we're jumping way ahead here, but, you know, we're not even starting the Big Ten season, at least for Iowa and Nebraska, until the following week. But, boy, that could be an interesting game when the Hawkeyes travel to Lincoln in late November. You know, it could be, and uh, yeah, you are looking way ahead. But uh, I, I think you know, if you if you try to match them up right now, it, it's a it's a really interesting yin and yang because Nebraska has a fairly explosive offense, whereas Iowa has you know just a, a pounding offense, and Nebraska can't stop the run, and Iowa gives up big plays. So <laughs> it could be two different kinds of styles of play coming to a head, and uh, and it, and it could, and there there could be more emotion for this one in the first two. The first two kind of had the, you know, it was really kind of a dry atmosphere. Both places weren't, weren't a lot of interest, but I think this year it's shaping up that there could be more on the line for, for both teams. So you might actually see that rivalry feel that we've all kind of wanted ever since Nebraska joined the league. Great story. Compelling and rich. 4.27 to go. Iowa State needs to recover this to have any chance. Good kick gets through. Iowa State has it. And perfectly executed by Arceo. It's Iowa State football with plenty of time. Ray Hamilton, a tight end for Iowa, had it go through his hands, then into the hands of Ben Bozen. So it's first and 10 from the 46 of Iowa with 4.27 to go. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to FS1 for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.